Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Main Idea Podcast. I do have some brief housekeeping. I'm aware that a few episodes have poor audio quality. I upgraded all the recording and editing equipment. However, this episode was recorded prior to those upgrades. For this, there are a few issues in volume at the beginning, so please bear with me. Beginning next Tuesday, all episode production will be elevated. Also, I will be producing a video version of each podcast that will now sit on Spotify for those that prefer to watch or watch and listen. Finally, if you like what I'm doing here and you enjoy the podcast each week, you can support it by visiting my sponsors listed in the show description. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Nick Martini, who fell in love with filmmaking while skiing professionally in remote corners of the world. After a series of injuries, he quickly ended up behind the camera and found his true calling, directing. Bringing the vision and fearlessness further into film production, he opened Stepped Studios alongside his brother Alex and best friend Cam Riley, who were also professional skiers with the mission to tell stories that explore what it means to be human, to inspire, and to influence. My favorite part about Nick's story is how he and his co-founders managed to create their business without ever sacrificing who they are. Nick is still Nick, but Stepped has emerged as a juggernaut. Without further ado, the very talented Nick Martini. So epically stoked to finally sit down and talk with you. We've been playing back and forth to get here, but... um. Yeah, thanks, man, for taking the time to do this, for real. Likewise, man. I'm stoked to catch up and, and chat a little bit. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Tough to figure out kind of where to start because you've had such an incredible career. There's so much to talk about, obviously, uh, in the realm of skiing, but also just everything that you've been able to accomplish along with your co-founders at Step. But I wanted to jump in at, at a spot that I read in your mission, right? So you want to tell stories that explore what it means to be human, to inspire, and to influence, which I think is really cool for a company that could otherwise be looked at as like a production company, right? To have that yeah. type of underlying theme is what you guys are doing. My question to you is, what do you consider being human? For myself, we have this background where we sort of like came up as outdoor adventure explorers and fell in love with stories in that world. And for me, a lot of like a true human story was always contextualized, like someone doing some extraordinary thing somewhere that we wanted to dive into the psyche and the motivation behind that. And I think over time, it's evolved a lot, like as we've gone to different places in our lives, but I do think there's something still there. Um, where it can be someone doing something very small or something very, very great in magnitude. But if there's that thread of sort of human excellence or someone achieving something that's new or unexpected, I think inherently we all love watching and sharing those stories. Um, so no matter how big or small they are, I think we're always looking for that thread within the work we do. And we've evolved a lot too, you know, coming from longer form storytelling where that's like always a top priority to making six second Instagram ads. But I think, <laughs> you know, and we still do all of the above, but we're looking right. at like in a six second or 15 or 30 second format, can you still convey some level of humanity, something that resonates with that audience? And it's a, been a big challenge, but a really fun one over the past couple of years is like the landscape of how we consume content has changed so drastically. Was that always an element? that you maybe you personally aim to pursue or or you and 
the people that you were working alongside with within any kind of film realm, be that skiing or, or larger scale production, or did that develop as stepped grew? I think honestly, like it, it was a development, but I think there always was a thread that when we started way back in the day, making ski films as a group of friends, I always had a bit of a chip on my shoulder with like the traditional action sports movie format, mm-hmm. where it's basically just like music videos for individual people of like yeah. segments, just music paired with action, which as somebody who loved action sports, I ate it up just like everyone else did. But as a filmmaker, that can be really mundane really quickly. You're pretty much just like rinse and repeat over and over. So even in our earliest films, our hope was to try to like take a ski film and flip it on its head. Like how do we give some insight to who the people are or what the adventure that we're doing is in regards to the context. I think it was perhaps a goal from the beginning, but over time we got better at it and figured it out a little more. Uh, but it's always something I think we've we've excelled to, or sorry, hope to excel in. Well, it's funny because I went back and I watched uh, Mutiny before this. Nice. Like I kind of went back and I just oh, yeah. did like, okay, like watch How We Live In, watch Mutiny, watch just the some of the older films you guys did. And it's wild when I think back to like, watching 13 or or like blizzard of oz or fistful of moguls or something like this like the evolution of the ski video when we were younger into literally exactly that you guys took the ski movie and flipped it upside down and made this really raw like my initial feeling going back and watching mutiny was it was like watching training day as a ski video like it's so just like oh it's like gritty real uh and not only that on on top of the cinematography and the editing and everything you guys were doing it was also the way that you were skiing was a complete contradiction to everything else you were seeing being produced at that time what drew you to that like yeah it's it's interesting like i think we were yeah we were always inspired from like an athletic perspective by like the skateboarders and snowboarders of the world like I grew up as a big skateboarder love like being in the city in the streets finding stuff to jump off or do tricks on and as skiing we're at this special time where park skiing like blew up at one point when we were teenagers and it was really about like hitting rails and jumping over shit and snowboarders had sort of started pushing to that world of like what does skiing look like in cities and like urban riding and street riding and um, it started becoming a, a thing in skiing very quickly that we immediately all latched onto because it was like sort of going back home for us of how we grew up filming skateboarding. Um, and it felt super creative too, like being able to just drive around somewhere and find some amazing thing to build a ramp off of or jump off of or find a transition somewhere. Um, so not only myself, but like a pretty large group of our friends got immersed in it very quickly. And we also realized it was a really cool environment for filmmaking. Because unlike being on just a homogenous white sunny slope for every single shot, (laughs) all of a sudden we're in downtown and big cities, we're shooting at night, we have cool architecture, we can bring in camera equipment easily in big trucks instead of hiking in a little backpack up the side of a mountain. Um, So it's sort of like this perfect storm of elements from like the athletic side, from the filmmaking side um and just cool landscapes to play in most of which ended up being in cities you know right and at that point you were at the peak of your ski career where was you were in an interesting position because you were at the peak of your competitive career but you were also very involved in the film i feel like that was kind of rare 
for an athlete at that time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think there's a lot of athletes I know and skiing, skating and surfing who love had an affinity for film, but I'd say it was unique in the sense that I, at the time when I was doing really well on the athletic side as a skier, um, it was a huge time commitment, but I always tried to partition off time to get behind a camera too, to come up with projects with our friends and to shoot a ton. Um, and I think even at like the peak, I enjoyed the filmmaking just as much as the skiing. It was always like this balance. Right. And, um, ultimately at, I got like my first major injury early in college that was an ACL at the beginning of a winter. And I couldn't ski for the entire winter. You know, it was like December. Right. Um, at that point, I sort of fell behind the camera. And that was the winter where like everything really clicked, where it wasn't me bouncing back and forth between trying to ski and make films. It was like six months of me only as a filmmaker that I think solidified my like passion for filmmaking, my love for it. And then moving forwards, as I came back to skiing, production was way more a part of everything I did. Uh, it went from maybe 30% to 50-50. And then as the injuries went on, unfortunately, I did another four or five ACLs over the past, the next five years. Uh, every year, I just slowly spend more and more time behind the camera rather in front. And over that time, slowly acquired a skill set. Um, they sort of self-taught, honestly, with all our friends of like how to make really beautiful imagery and tell stories through editing. And by the time I finally couldn't really ski anymore, at least not like competitively or the way we used to, um, myself and my two other partners, Cam and Alex here at Stepped, all had built up like a skill set that we were pretty confident in on the filmmaking side. Um, and it just sort of like started from there. When, if you can think back to like that time as an athlete, when you're in this position, right, you, you have the worst case scenario for a skier. You're going into the winter and you take out like the key joint in skiing. Um, did you struggle with the identity part there at all? Like if you're going from being like the man, you're on camera, you're in front of everybody, you're winning contests to now you're behind the camera. Yeah, you're, you're enjoying it. But like, yeah. were there any kind of identity struggle there of those two people existing at the same time? Yeah, it was always super weird, honestly. Like, and you're also trying to put up an image for certain people. Like at the time we had paid endorsements as skiers. So like right. no one's trying to pay you to sit behind a camera. So like you need to keep up this facade to the general public and like the brands you partner with that like you are a professional skier and that's what you're doing 365 days a year. Right. It's not like, hey, I do that part time and I'm a film guy. So like <laughs> even like outside of the internal struggles there, um, there's like a perception thing that you got to try to maintain. And I, I struggled with that for five or six years, probably, especially towards the tail end of my ski career as I was doing more production than skiing. You're always putting on like this bit of a two-faced thing where like in some conversations you're the film expert in some conversations oh film's just like a hobby and like I'm really fully focused on skiing um so I think it was a struggle I think I was lucky that the production side of things kept me so ingrained in the community that it wasn't like okay now I'm going to go study math at the university <laughs> it's like I was still very in the group with the same people um, which I think made that a little bit easier. Um, but at the same time, it was a constant struggle, not only for that first injury that was probably like the most devastating of all. Because right. like, if you've never really been through that and you're like on a really solid trajectory as an athlete, that first like serious injury is like 
crippling not only physically but mentally yeah. as well emotionally um, right yeah and after time you get used to it a little bit more like come to expect right. it unfortunately <laughs> um but yeah like the struggle it was a big thing in the beginning and then over time like sort of faded and just smoothed out and uh luckily organically like netted out in a pretty healthy spot but um so yeah. that was when did the when did your last injury happen yeah it's if 2014 maybe 2013 14 winter um and so had, stepped it was not yet like hadn't been formed you guys were you had been producing skibias for a long time but in a yeah. corporate structure it, it didn't exist yet. yeah so stepped had like been a, on paper a company making ski films with like a couple <laughs> of us uh, but yeah up until that point we had really only been using stepped as a way to like document our skiing and some of the brands who supported us individually as athletes were supporting those uh like film efforts but it was really yeah after that last injury my fourth acl on my left knee where i knew like i really couldn't ski anymore at least not like the way i used to right that things changed really quickly based on the conversations we were having with those brands. Whereas less like, Hey, I'm an athlete. Can you support film stuff? And it became like, Hey, I'm transitioning to be a filmmaker. I'd love to continue working with you guys just in new, new ways. Um, and luckily a lot of the brands we've met through skiing mm -hmm. worked in a lot of spaces outside of snow that there were, they allowed us to like transition into like the Under Armors and North Faces of the world who let us go shoot our first basketball commercial or our first football film they were really generous. And I think we'd built this trust over the years, partnering with them on these snow sports films that they sort of knew us, they're familiar with us, they had some trust that we were lucky that the transition happened pretty quickly and pretty smoothly. What was that initial phase like when you start going from, you, you fully understand, let's, let's say the moment where you fully understand that competitive skiing is no, more, no longer a thing for you. Yeah. And you're on the flip side of that what was it like when you started to get these contracts that weren't ski contracts, but that they were yeah. like, I mean, Toyota, Under Armour, these are not, you're not getting yeah. hired by like the local ski shop to shoot their promo for the winner, right? These, these are yeah. massive global brands with huge footprints, big budgets, and you're getting tapped for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, it was definitely a transition because ultimately for six or seven years, my primary source of income was ski endorsements. So like when those evaporated, that was terrifying from lifestyle and financial perspective. And luckily we had sort of this other thing teed up, but we really hadn't seen it materialize financially at that point. So there's definitely like this weird lull. And then also on the brand, like production advertising side, you don't immediately jump into the big work, despite if it's a big brand. So like a lot right. of those initial sort of tester projects that those brands gave us were super, super micro small. But as soon as we proved ourselves, they just kept getting bigger and bigger. Now to the point, you know, six or seven years later, we're doing national advertising campaigns on television and stuff so like crazy. that for those brands. But at the time it was like, Hey, Nick, can you grab your camera? Like go shoot Steph Curry trying on a shoe in like a store <laughs> and like, you know, like we're going to pay you like a couple hundred bucks or something, you know? Right. Um, so in the beginning it wasn't as glamorous, but it did ramp up pretty quickly. Like we just tried to show and prove. And it was also, I think serendipitous at the time, this was probably 10 years ago when social and digital advertising was blowing up like people didn't weren't only doing tv ads they were like starting to do paid instagram ads and right. content for their brand on facebook and instagram and youtube 
Um, it had already sort of been going, but it's sort of like really exploding and becoming like a primary platform for a lot for a lot of brands. And I think a lot of the traditional people in production advertising didn't really want to participate. And we were sitting there at like 23 years old being like, hell yeah, we're, we're all over this, you know? And that's sort of like how we got our foot in the door. Um, were, there, so yeah. were there ever moments where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? I need to, I need to go get like a real job and I need to like figure uh, this out. In full transparency, I don't know if that ever crossed my mind. I love that. <laughs> I, I think, that is so I, awesome. Dude. Yeah, I, I think we were like, had ski bummed it for so long, like so frequently. I was like, I could just fucking chill for two years. I'll figure it out. Like sleep on my buddy's couch in Venice or something. Like, I, I don't think I was like, I got to get on LinkedIn right now and like go track down a job. Oh, man, but, it's so um, crazy to hear. Yeah. Like, from an outsider looking in, like you obviously, maybe you do get this perspective if you really reflect on it. But to look at what you guys have built is is astounding it's phenomenal like to never compromise on who you guys are as individuals on your style like if you if go watch any you know for anyone listening go watch a stepped produced commercial it's when when's the last time you saw a hyundai commercial that you're like one that was fucking hilarious and two it was beautiful right like it's not Thanks, you just don't really see that and to have that happen without you having that moment of like fear around your career is pretty impressive because I feel like it's really easy to get stuck in that. Like I I'll admit I do this all the time where I'm like, Oh, I should, I should go get a sales job, you know, like shouldn't be pursuing these other hobbies. And I want to like smack myself in the face and be like, dude, no, you're, (laughs) that's not the point. Like do the things that you love and just, it will work out. Trust it'll work out. Why do you like, what do you think lent itself to that for you to be able to yeah. just kind of yeah know, i don't know i think i think i've always like a lot of people like yourself like always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit like i always sort of wanted to do my own thing and i think i had the confidence even if i couldn't start a business that i'd at least like as an independent single guy probably be able to film enough to like at least get some momentum going and i think maybe i thought in transparency i never thought stepped would be where it is today so it's not like i had this like confident vision that oh in six years from now there's gonna be 70 of us sitting in an office like um i think i was just wanted to work in film and was taking it one step at a time and then as things started gaining momentum then you start having a bit more like strategic path but for me it was just sort of like one foot in front of the other to start um and to your point like i think what helped us a lot is as you're talking about watching some of our work, which I really appreciate the nice comments, yeah, but of course. Um, I, one thing we always say here is like, we're really trying to make uh, advertising that feels more like entertainment than advertising. And I think that really came from our background in making ski films to entertain people. And when we're looking at the advertising world, I think we grew up in an era where commercials were shit you wanted to skip through and pass mm-hmm. over. And we're trying to reinvent, like, is there a really creative, cool way to integrate brands and film in a way that's exciting to watch that you want to watch again, that's, you know, feels like entertainment. So I think that helped us like over the years, that perspective helped us keep on track and and grow in like a crowded space. Was there risk with brands when you guys were initially starting out and you're carrying in this creative perspective that they probably really haven't seen? in the space yet or, or like pushback from them to like, no, you got to do it this way or, or we want it done yeah. that way. There's always that tension. And like over time, they've, we 
people trust us more. But in the beginning, absolutely. Like we'd throw all types of ideas out and people thought we were insane. Luckily, we'd usually do them with a with either without them knowing or just like in the background and show them and they'd usually be excited. But yeah, when like a 24 year old kid is trying to talk to some senior level marketing person and tell them you want to like light a basketball shoe on fire and throw it through the night, they definitely are looking at you cross-eyed. Um, what was sometimes when they see it like come together, you know, it works. What was that experience? Like put me in the shoes of a 24 year old running this company. Yeah. And if I'm understanding this correctly, I'm thinking like major executives, right. Across all yeah. these companies that you're going, you're saying like, Hey, this is our idea. Yeah. Do you, do you just like walk into that with confidence or was there fear associated with that? I think we probably had like some, confidence by nature of stupidity rather than like actual <laughs> confidence um but yeah it was interesting i think we got super lucky because we had spent so much time working with some of these brands through the snow sports world we had access like you're saying like some of the cmos or like senior marketing managers were like typically no one would have led us into that conversation but they had been familiar with us for five or six years so they're willing to have a conversation and see if there's something we could work on so i think some of those relationships being pre-existing helped a ton, like calm the nerves a little bit and have a more open dialogue. Um, but I do think, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's really the people, you know, everyone always says that, but it is so funny. Like the people we met through skiing, which I never knew would have any impact later in life for me. Those were all the same people that in one way or another helped the film side of things start. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's crazy how, how important it is like relationship management, just at any point in your life, no matter what you're doing, you can't see the forest for the trees. Like you just have yeah. no idea when that person is going to come back in your life, when you're going to be at, you know, some meeting and they're across the table, you're going to need to tap the shoulder of an executive that, you know, cause you're looking for a position or an opportunity. And it's so easy to, to get hot headed and burn bridges in certain situations be, oh, to sure. stand on your righteous like foot. Yeah. But then years later, your efforts as an athlete, your attention to detail and performance and whatever just transpires into like completely new opportunities you never knew would have been on the yeah. table. Who who was yeah. the first brand that really who gave you guys the shot to like produce something that yeah. was outside of the ski world, maybe more in the main vein of entertainment? Yeah, it's interesting. I'd say like Solomon and under. Solomon and North Face, who I'd personally worked with as an athlete forever, always had our back as like young aspiring filmmakers, which I really appreciated. But I'd say one of the most unique ones that was like actually like moved the needle the most is uh, the team at Under Armour, who we knew at the time, like sort of cross sport functional. And they had um, they had just signed this new basketball player, Stephen Curry. Um, that they're doing a shoe release with. And I was like, I didn't even know who Steph Curry was at the time. This was before he like blew up with the Warriors and everything. Um, and we were like, hell yeah, we'll shoot some basketball stuff. We've been like trying so hard to like get out of the just the snow sports stuff. So we went to Oakland and shot this piece with him, Cam Riley and I, for his first shoe release for Under Armour. And it was like super low budget. Like I can't even, I would probably spend all the money just flying out there or, or something. <laughs> and uh and then all of a sudden Steph Curry blew up and like having that guy in the front page of the website did not hurt as like up and coming Damn, kids yeah. to then go talk to like a Nike or like an Oakley or somebody like that. Um, so yeah, probably Under Armour was like the first big break, but uh, the folks at North Face were always nice too. They like always tried to support us. They were great. 
so as you as you guys start to piece together more projects and and you're putting this thing together, when did you start to feel like the the growth and the traction really shift for you as a company where you're it was kind of like, oh, this is going to be our next thing. This is what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, I think there was like a moment where enough work picked up that Cam, Alex, and I, for like the first time in our lives, like the, those are the three partners, um, were like had some income from the business. It wasn't like a break even thing. So we knew that like, shit, we probably don't need other jobs. We could do this. Granted, at the time, it was like literally just enough to pay rent. Right. But I think at that point, we were like, hey, this could be a thing. Like this could actually really work. There seems to be an appetite. And then over the next six months to a year, we brought in like our first two or three other hires. Connor Schofield, who we grew up with uh, making films with, joined back up. Our first salesperson, Lindsay Hagen. And once we had like a little working machine, it became clear that instead of doing one project, just myself going to shoot, we could juggle like three or four of these things at once. Um, And that's when like, as we did some proactive outreach, instead of being reactive, the opportunities sort of started to snowball. Um, and that was the beginning of like a moving ship that hasn't really slowed down, um, which has been great. So as it, as it grows, like, obviously you go back to the, the step days when you guys are making films, it's a very small crew. It's probably really yeah. easy to identify in the vision for a project. It's four people in the same truck going to the same spot with the same yeah. lights to do the yeah. same thing. And I'm assuming when you get in the editing bay, like, it's all the same vibe. So as, yeah. as you grow like this, you get more projects and more fingers get in the pot. Were there any elements of fear associated with like vision and quality across what um, you guys were doing? Yeah. And, and to be honest, there still is. I mean, it's tough because as the jobs get bigger, you have more and more cooks in the kitchen. And I think we fight our hardest to like keep the integrity of the vision, but it's tough sometimes. And also you have to realize at the end of the day, people come to us for ideas and execution, but it's really their project. You know, they're the ones paying for it. So as soon as you start working with brands and ad agencies and, you know, like to your point, it used to just be three of us for like a little social thing. We'd send it off. The brand would say it's great. And that was it. And now sometimes there'll be seven people from the ad agency and five people from the brands and a director and 16 people all looking at the same piece of work, giving conflicting feedback. Um, So it's a difficult, as they, the scale grows, it's difficult to navigate and you don't always win, but you just got to like try your hardest to hopefully see the original vision through. Um, but unfortunately I can't tell you how many times we've had clients and friends and collaborators who have a conflicting vision that it doesn't really come out how you want it to. And, um, you can't win them all, you know, but you always try, try your hardest, you know, to get across the finish line, looking as what is that like a, is that your decision at the end of the day? Or you, do you kind of step in there and say like, Hey, we got to nix this or. Yeah. I think it's it's a combination. Like for a while that was me. Now we have a lot of people who are like running projects and manage clients. And it's really that balance. Like how do you keep whoever's paying for it excited while also trying to make sure the creative integrity is there and you got to make compromises ultimately. Um, And I think that sort of delicate dance is one of like, the most important parts I've realized in this business. Cause as you mentioned earlier, it's like so easy to lash out or yeah. to shut down or to not be able to stomach someone's feedback that you disagree with, but like being able to navigate, have the social and emotional intelligence to navigate those conversations wisely is what allows you to have fruitful relationships over the long term. you know? Totally. Um, yeah. 
which can be tough. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, to be, not only are the stakes so high, right? I mean, these are like, it's your livelihood, but it's also your brand. It's your baby. These things are big time decisions. When you started to really grow, like when it wasn't four of you, five of you, six of you, you started to bring on more and more people. What did you feel like you, what was like the first thing that you lost contact with that you were so um, used to having? Yeah, it's interesting. And over time, it's like every six months I lose a touch point with something. It's like slowly <laughs> slipping away. But um, I'd say for me, like the first thing was probably post-production. It's so time intensive and I love editing, but as we grew, it just wasn't feasible. And I spent a lot of my time early days, like working with clients and business development, trying to be like the face of the organization on the outreach front. Um, as well as directing and going out in the field and shooting a lot of films uh, on my own, which over time that's faded a lot as well. Um, but does that bum you out? Yes and no. I get asked that a lot, and I think yeah. for me, I, I enjoy the entrepreneurial spirit and running the business as much as I enjoy filmmaking. Like when I was skiing and filmmaking, I enjoyed that balance. I think this is actually a very similar context where like. A lot of my 80% of my job these days has nothing to do with filmmaking, really. You right. know, it's like it's about operating the business and working with clients and thinking strategically about growth. Um, but the 20% of the time where I do, do still go out and get into the field and actually like direct a film a couple times a year uh, is some of the most fun days I have. And I love it. And I don't think I'd ever give it up. But I think just over time, that balance evolves, you know, as the business grew. It's so crazy, like how much of a growth mindset you have to have in settings like this, because if you weren't willing to cross that bridge, then you're stuck and you yeah. just, it's not that you couldn't be successful, but like your willingness to wear a new hat and take the old one off, it creates yeah. more opportunity for you, certainly. But in the case of a company, I mean, it's creating a lot of opportunity for the business too, because if you can be in more places at once, doing more face-to-face -face relationship management interaction and managing projects and things, then you guys have a bigger opportunity to make a footprint. Whereas if you're yeah. stuck, just like, no, I just want to direct, um, you guys figure it out. It stifles the growth of the actual business, which is what you're after anyway. Yeah. And it's, and it's an intimidating thing to do for everybody. I have a lot of friends who have like had startup businesses or are trying to grow businesses and like to take responsibility off yourself, pay someone else to do it out of your pocket. It's a scary thing. Cause you're like, why would I give up that much money? Yeah. Like, why would I give up the financial benefit? And like, do I trust this person? But ultimately that's the only real way to like get a couple of people doing this stuff you used to do so that you can bring in a couple other people. And like, that's how you start snowballing, but it is like an intimidating first step to relinquish some control and also pass on some of the financial gain to other people that aren't yourself. Like if you are a really small business owner, it's like, damn, am I really going to pay someone a salary? to like, come right. do this. It's like super <laughs> intimidating. Cause you're like, well, what if I can't pay rent? <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but at the same time, like those are the first steps that while daunting are sort of like the first steps for growth and in, in, in a lot of businesses, you know, do you, do you have a mentor? Um, I've had a lot of very smart, influential people over the years who, who I love and respect and have taught me a lot. I'd say there isn't like one person that I, I would single out. And these days I've been less in touch with folks like that, but I can tell you over the years, there are a ton of people who took me under their wing. I'd say 
Todd Jones, who owns Teton Gravity Research, uh, outdoor film company in Jackson Hole, when I was coming up as a filmmaker, he was so generous with his time trying to tell me how they made their ski movies work, how they made brand work. He was like the first ski guy I knew who worked in commercials and brand stuff. So I would just like pick his brain 24 hours a day, asking him questions. And he was always so generous with his time. So there's been people like that. I think it's unfortunate to see like certain people not wanting to help the next generation. And then there's the people who are like, hell yeah, I'm going to open the book. I'm going to teach you everything. And like, those are the people ultimately I've really respect and have had amazing still collaborations with to this day, you know? Um, it is interesting yeah. how that happens with people. I've always thought about this, like there, cause, cause it's very much a, a two types of people. Uh, when, and if you reach up to get advice from someone, you kind of know instantly if they're on board with helping you out or, or helping you brainstorm or create a vision or whatever. And then those that aren't, and yeah. there is some onus to like pay it back in yeah. a way when you, when you get there, because I'm sure inevitably this is going to happen to you, right? You're going to have aspiring filmmakers that are like, Hey man, you know, do you see yourself wanting to give back in those ways? Or, or do you actually yeah. have plans within steps to create some sort of feedback yeah. loop for up and coming directors, filmmakers, people involved in sports, stuff like that? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, a, a couple of things there. Like, I, I think already we have a lot of up and coming folks who reach out to stepped and I can remember so vividly, like burnt into my brain when I was 20 years old, emailing people I looked up to and almost none of them would ever write back like ever, you know, and there's like yeah. a couple I remember who did that I will remember forever. But now people who I consider colleagues, I remember when I was younger, them never giving me the time of day, which always I had a chip on my shoulder about. So I've tried to prioritize a lot, like at least responding to people, engaging with them. And I'd say like uh, anybody who really reaches out to us, we get back to, we chat with, we do our best to like help encourage them, which I think is really important. And then in terms of like more tactile stuff we're doing as an organization, one thing we've been really focusing on the past two years is trying to help mentor the younger like high school generation especially in places that aren't exposed to those opportunities so we just did like a big film workshop at watts empowerment center where we got like 30 kids with their hands on cameras she and shot a mock basketball commercial got everyone super engaged um and from that you know we got some like 16 year old kids who never had imagined being in film applying for internships or looking for summer jobs yeah um so I think our efforts right now are focused on like trying to do proactive outreach, put on workshops uh, for certain communities who just don't have access to film stuff usually. So we're trying our best to engage as much as we can on that. And then just on like the day-to-day -day grind, trying our best to like get engaged and get back to people and not ignore people. You know? <laughs> what was that like when you, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't imagine that growing up at competitive skier that in your future you saw doing that kind of impactful outreach to, because dude, a situation like that, that could potentially change an entire trajectory of someone's life. When you really think yeah. about it, they go to something that's free yeah. and they're inspired and their mind is blown by something that, like you said, they never would have access to on, yeah. on really high level. Like you guys are doing incredible stuff. Yeah. What is it like when you see that? It's epic, man. Like I, you feel like you're actually like helping people out, which is great. And I'd say the, the other thing is like, 
aside from myself and like the partners here, what I've been so impressed by is just like the universal willingness to volunteer and help. Like when we put uh, out through these, your organization, yeah, through our organization oh, right. or other people we interact with, like we've, you know, when we have discussions about these types of events, literally every person's hand goes up. Like everyone wants to be engaged. Everyone wants to participate. Everyone wants to help, which I, I hope that's everywhere. At least like the folks sitting here do, but I've been really impressed and like the types of initiatives I'm talking about are really driven by like a whole group of people here. So I don't want to take personal right, credit, right. but I'm just like stoked to see how many people are psyched to help. You know what I mean? And I'm sure everyone's been somewhere in their life where they're thinking back, like, I wish I had some support. So it's, it's just been sweet to like, see everyone so engaged and, and excited. Well, when you build your company on those kind of values, I mean, that goes it literally right back to like your mission, right? It's yep. human experience and inspiring people. And you do both sure. of those things in the same. That's why I actually think, you know, having like a, a mission statement or so, even if it's like a personal thing, just for you as an individual, but having like a couple of guiding principles it spills out and bleeds out into other stuff that you do. So like, you know, if that wasn't something that you build your company on, do you end up doing meaningful outreach this early on in your growth? Maybe not. You know, maybe most companies are going to sideline that until they have like more time or more resources, but you're doing it now early, especially in a place like, you know, Los Angeles, El Segundo, it's pumping. It's like film central, maybe New York and Atlanta or something like that. But the amount of people that I would imagine aspire to get involved in that industry to learn film, learn production, all that kind of stuff. It's there's got to be millions of of kids that for have sure never had and, access to that. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like in a city like LA, it's bizarre how many people you find who have no ability to access like any equipment, experience, classes, training. Like as a high school kid, like a lot of the schools don't offer a lot of creative courses or access to like to see what a cinema cinema camera looks like like i've never seen kids get so like eyes light up to bring in like the huge 50 pound camera <laughs> kids like who are filming music videos on their iphone literally like shit themselves and you can see a couple of those kids are probably like i'm gonna do this you right. know it's like those are awesome moments in in los angeles just being the film mecca that it is like is there any bureaucracy between you guys being kind of like a younger up and coming from the action sports world, landing massive, like big time campaigns against more traditional production studios or houses. Like, is yes. there any jockeying there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, for sure. I feel like, which is understandable too. And I like, there's generations of companies, you know, and like a lot of LA was built on a, what I would consider these days sort of archaic way of doing business, especially in commercials and advertising, but that is sort of the norms that have been put in place. And when we started growing and competing for those bigger opportunities that like the best in the city are going after, we absolutely were chasing those in an untraditional way from our cost structures for the talent we were proposing for how we got in touch with people. And I think uh, for better or first along the way some people were probably caught off guard by that surprised confused um we've never really had any like serious butting heads but i definitely like meet people from other production comp production entities that are like oh yeah so-and-so has been saying you guys blah 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 like whatever not not necessarily anything like super bad but more just like who the fuck are these people and how are how is this working for them um but not i can't like, imagine yeah. i can't imagine that does anything less than just stoke you guys up 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like nothing like malicious, but definitely like there's some, but like, it's it's just work shit at the right. end of the day like at mo- almost everyone i've met here especially in advertising and production is so nice and cool but like for sure i would imagine like if some 23 year old kids came in and started taking a bunch of our work i'd be confused and sort of jaded and like trying to figure out what was going on you know um but no for the most part everyone's been super nice and it, it's been cool but and we're still learning like we built made up our systems by ourselves. it's not like we went and worked at a bunch of companies like ours you know right um, so it's been a learning curve for us too. Like we're in some ways for better first conforming to like a lot of the traditional practices these days as well, just by necessity as we get to a certain scale. So, um, definitely got a lot of respect of where everyone came from. And, um, for the most part, everyone's been super nice with your guys your growth. You've obviously branched off and done a couple other things too. Like you have, uh, editorial, you also have rentals. I thought the rental thing was fascinating. Like that seemed like such yeah. a baller move because especially in Los Angeles, so many people need equipment. It's super cost intensive to own. Why would you want to sit on it on depreciating equipment? that's just going to get older and outdated. When, Uh, when did it make sense for you guys to do that? Because that was a huge build. It was a huge acquisition of equipment. Yeah, it was, it was a a large leap and a big initiative for us, but um, we had thought about that for a long time. And to be honest, it was really inspired by my dad who came from the commercial production and commercial construction industry in Boston um, that weirdly operates very similarly to how we do film production in terms of how they bid and having subcontractors. And like, it's so close to the same type of industry (laughs) just for films versus buildings, but. And they do tool rental. So, yeah. So my folks, my dad, probably 25 years ago with his brother had a construction company and they started an adjacent tool rental company, which over the years was a huge success for them. It was one of their biggest expenses every year was renting cranes and trucks and all this stuff that you wouldn't necessarily own as a construction company. Um, And over time they invested in that and then were able to leverage that for their own projects as well as other construction companies. And we've tried to replicate the same approach for production with our sister company vault rentals where it's a resource for all our jobs to get equipment from. And like that big expense is going to a business that we have participation in rather than some random people around the city, but as well, it becomes a resource for anybody else who works in production in LA, which there's a massive need for. So it's been fun to like have a business we can partner with, but that is also open to all our friends who work at other production companies or commercial agencies or whatever they may be. Um, and then what's so what's the play there is that you obviously you can offset with expenses and you guys own the equipment right you own all the equipment we we own a lot of it but we also rent equipment for other people it's like a lot of like on a consignment model so a lot of filmmakers might have bought in a 60 70 thousand dollar camera as an investment but when they're not using it every day that thing can go rent for a thousand bucks a day so we'll house a lot of that equipment and rent it for them for a fee um so that's a cool yeah. like thing to tag on top of your your business it seems so separate yeah i mean it's, it's been cool man there it is like now it is really a separate thing it's its own separate staff it's its own business um but there's been some really cool synergies for us and it's also allowed us to connect with a lot of other filmmakers in the city because yeah. like we typically wouldn't collaborate with another production company but now with vault we're trying to go out and talk to other production companies like hey come use our camera equipment come use the stage we built our production trucks so it's been fun for us to get to meet a lot of other people that would normally be competitors that have now become allies and friends. So you're like the mob. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> you're basically like, you're like, look, yeah. you got two options. Yeah. You can either rent our equipment and keep filming, or you can shut it down. That's, yeah. that's the case. So it, I feel like that's got to be pretty well received by everyone, yeah. there, right? Because yeah, that so allows them to get a cost advantage and they can work alongside you. They don't have to house the equipment. Yeah. So it's a beneficial yeah. on their business. It's been cool, man. And like it started with camera rentals and then we started building out studio space, which we're going to do more of and do production trucking. So we interact with people like all sorts of different ways now. And as you mentioned, like the edit side of our business uh, on the post-production side, we rebranded as well uh, to locked editorial because a lot of friends with other production companies wanted to use our post team. And it's a bit of a conflict of interest, like coming to another production company. So in a very similar way to Vault, it's been really cool for us to go meet other filmmakers who just need help with post-production or ad agencies or brands. So that's become sort of a different funnel of opportunities for us and just a cool way to connect with more people. I'd I'd love to maybe switch gears a little bit and and talk a little bit about like the creative process with you for, and this might be maybe a regression back to before you kind of stepped away more from film, but when you're going through this process, whether it's with a, a brand that's hiring you on to do something, or maybe even thinking back to days of creating ski films, when do you know, like when to abandon something? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I think we're all still trying to figure that out. I've been struggling with that actually currently on a couple of projects, but um, I like to dig super deep into stuff. And I think if there's a seed of an idea you truly believe in, it's like, it's worth workshopping to death. Um, and sometimes at the end of that, you realize you were either wrong or you should have given up sooner. Um, right. But ultimately a lot of those times, if you truly believe in the idea, it'll come out the other side is something you're really proud of. Um, but I think you do need to be self-aware. And I think for me, one of the biggest learnings there has been being humble and open to external feedback. Like I've been in so many positions where like, I feel strongly about something, but there's something inside of you that you're not sure of. Bring in some people you trust, bring in people you respect or look up to and be like, dude, be honest with me. Like, is this worth pursuing? Is this even gonna work? Like, what do you think about this idea? Or like this rough cut? Like, should I just throw this thing in the trash or like, should I keep massaging it? <laughs> Um, and I really appreciate when people are transparent, especially if the feedback's critical, which I realize is so hard to do, especially if you're friends with somebody, but, um, I respect the people a lot who have told me that something is dog shit. <laughs> well, dude, I, I always think back yeah. to like, we both grew up skateboarding. We both yeah. grew up competitive skiing The the tenacity and like dedication to trick learning is a really unique experience that you, you wouldn't get if you grew up playing football yeah. or you grew up playing soccer or something like that. Like when you are trying to kickflip a 10 stair for the first time and you yeah. fall and you fall, it's like with each fall, you just want it that much more. And with each like bump on your elbow, whatever, same goes for skiing. You try a trick, you don't land it. It's like back on the chairlift. You'll stay until the lights are off. That can be great in sport. It can be horrible in aspects of business because you can be so hard headed to to seeing through the thing that you set out to do yeah and you're also at the beginning of it you're all skiers <laughs> yeah and it's interesting it's like there there's those things come with a blessing and a curse like athletes i know so many athletes who have been able to use their drive and their passion to find like that inner motivation to have success you know and the work ethic too but as you're saying you also got to take a little bit of a different approach like 
in skateboarding, if you throw something at a wall 10 times and it doesn't stick, you can try a hundred more times. If you're doing that in business, you might eventually crucify yourself before right. you stick the landing, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so Very so it's a fine, it's a fine balance, but I think there are some of those attributes that I've seen from like people who are really into sport or push hard athletically later in their life. Some of those attributes help them ultimately, whether it's motivation or work ethic or persistence, you know? When you guys were forming the company, obviously it was small group of people. Again, it was kind of crew specific. Was it weird when you started to venture outside of the sport of skiing for acquisitions, for hires and like to leave the comfort of that, you kind of know the person that you're dealing with, you know, their mentality, you can see them on the proving ground, kind of like what they're worth, where they're at. And now you're actually bringing on like brain and, and understanding from outside. Yeah. I mean, it was a a steep learning curve (laughs) to to be honest. Like I think, especially when we came to LA, like I was saying, it's such a traditional market. Like for us, we just all grew up making films together. We'd all just like help shoot something. And then you start coming into LA where someone's like, no, I work in this department or I have this role and I don't do those things. And they have extremely strong opinions that built throughout their career and they need lunch at a certain time and they build meal penalties and there's unions and like for us, we showed up in the city. We were like, holy shit. We hate all of this. We don't know what's going on. We usually just like, we all bring the shit in and we film the stuff and we leave. Like that's sort of like how we always did it. Um, and then you start to slowly understand like why the systems are set up that way. And for big productions with two or 300 people, those systems are super valuable. I still argue going out with five guys and trying to lay lines like that is just a old school shitty way to do work in my opinion. So like our, our smaller projects are still pretty loose and collaborative, but for sure, if you're on a feature film set or a big commercial with a couple hundred people, there are unions and safety folks and lunch breaks and meal penalties and all all that fun stuff um, that makes sense at that scale, you know? Yeah. I mean, the liabilities that you're exposed to just alone uh, is, oh, yeah. could tear your whole business down. And especially in a place yeah. where like LA, where the employee has so much power, you want to be super smart about that. You got to be very careful for sure. So if you now zoom out a little bit on, on stepped and on film production, you're in Los Angeles. Is there a pull towards film film and stepping away from commercial production and advertising and actually taking the skills and like the business relationships that you guys have built and get into like the ultimate arena. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause that is sort of like the next frontier for us. Um, we started a division here specifically last year to focus on film and television, our entertainment division. And it's definitely in its infancy. It's about six person team here. It's focusing on developing original IP uh, for feature length and episodic projects, which is something that, like you're saying, we've always sort of dreamt of like building the skill set, the infrastructure and the resources from the brand and advertising world and seeing how that could translate into Hollywood and entertainment. Um, and obviously being in LA, the Mecca, it'd be sort of crazy to not attempt to participate. Um, again, those efforts on our end, they're in their infancy, but there are some projects that look like they're going to happen soon, which is exciting. Um, and we'll see if it works and if it goes, goes well. Um, but we're excited, man. We have uh, we really want to play in that world. And I think over the next like two to four years, you'll see a lot more of that work coming from us. Well, you'd always shot the, the ski films. Like I said, in the beginning, like they were so much more cinematic than what you were used to seeing from all angles, right? Like the way that 
well-timed and utilized sound to cut against an action sport that's already in your face, but to make it feel a lot different, it feels like you're not watching a ski movie. So to go that way seems like a logical next step, but that's got to be, maybe not for you guys at this point, that seems like a huge jump anyway. Like, is there any doubt like around that around getting in there and like not fucking it up completely (laughs) yeah there's a lot of like a lot of nerves it's like an intimidating thing it's also i've realized that while some like filmmakers cross-pollinate like directors and cinematographers do like advertising and films a lot of the business is just so siloed and different that none of our relationships that we've built really carry weight in that world. Yeah. Um, so it's really starting from scratch, like build new relationships, understand how that ecosystem works, and then hopefully leverage some of like the talent we know on the directing and cinematographer side to bring into that space with us. But it's, it's really starting from scratch. And that's what the past year has been for us, just like starting to lay the groundwork. Uh, for something that's ultimately going to take a couple of years to bring to fruition. And there's the doubts that we'll fuck it up along the way. For sure. <laughs> we may, most people have some hurdles, um, but we're excited to give it a go, man. And I think we're, we're well positioned for it at this point. So when you go there in your perfect world, like what is the, what kind of films inspire you? What kind of films do you want to create and to evolve stepped into the like super yeah. mainstream? Yeah. I think, you know, in the, short or like the near term we're going to start in the documentary space just because we have had success in like short form docs telling amazing stories of real people like we're talking about so i think when we're looking at that world we're looking like the feature doc world we're inspired a lot by filmmakers who come from similar backgrounds um i don't know if you know but we represent jimmy chin for commercials in the u.s and he's so, had a lot of success on the doc side so we're like yeah i was gonna ask was that, that a I didn't understand entirely what happened there. Was that an acquisition? Like you brought Jimmy Chin doesn't work for Stepped, but you represent his documentaries we as rep- they go to we production. we represent him for commercial production specifically. So like his gotcha. documentary work, like the free solos and uh rescues the world are separate with his own company. But when Jimmy uh does commercial production in the US, it all runs through Stepped. So like if we just did a big Bose campaign uh, for the NFL that Jimmy directed, like we handle all that work, um, which is great to work with him in that capacity. But where I was going is that we're really inspired by like the doc work he's done as like a friend that's had a lot of success on that level, telling stories in a space that we all came from, like the outdoor adventure world. Like we'd love to try to tackle some projects that are similar to some of the films he's done that we all really respect and admire. Um, so I think that would probably be like the type of films you're going to see from us in the short term is like real stories in a documentary format about humans achieving some exceptional feat. Um, and yeah, we got some fun stories that hopefully we get some support behind soon and can share with the world. And so is like traditional blockbuster style filmmaking, not in your like universe or it is no, right for sure yeah i think that's sort of like step two for us so like we want to start in the docu space where we have the most experience and then uh absolutely i think a lot of people in this building are excited to like push into the feature traditional feature film space at some point um potentially sooner rather than later if there's been some discussion so we'll see well I'm, I'm super stoked obviously to see what you guys do there the the last thing i'd love to talk about it seems yeah. like if for those that are still listening at this point, everything's gone great. 
right? Ski career ends in a tragic way and it's a quick transition into something else. That goes really smoothly. You parlay all those relationships into film production. Company grows like crazy. You bring people on, it keeps growing and now you have more stuff on the horizon. But somewhere between like the knee getting blown and getting behind the camera and now, there has to have been like some sort of setbacks or, or like difficulties that you navigated. So when you look back onto that time, like what are a few of the biggest struggles that you had to overcome maybe as an individual, but maybe as a company too, where you guys really had to yeah. like double down and, and get over something that maybe could have stopped you in your tracks or redirected everything completely. Yeah. I think like not to be, you know, like a broken record, I'm sure with so many people, but unfortunately COVID when it hit was really one of those moments as like a yeah. small business that was growing so quickly we had a staff that we could barely afford strategically. Like we were trying right, to grow right. as quick as we can. And when the funnel of revenue shuts off completely, really quickly, you got to make some tough decisions. And for us as young business owners, we had no experience with anything like that. Like we hadn't been through right. 2008. We had never been at another business that had to downsize or lay people off. Like I, we didn't even know where to start legally how to do those things. So like as first time business owners, that was like a huge hit for us. We were, I feel like we navigated it okay. We probably could have done it better with more experience, but I think we were, we ended up having to let go of like 70% of the company in the first two weeks. Wow. But luckily within two months, we brought almost every single person back. I think there's like wow. one or two who yeah. decided not to come back. Um, but there Dude, was what was hit. that like? making a lot of very uncomfortable phone calls. I think one saving grace was that like everyone else's colleagues and friends and family were in similar situations, you know? So right, I think that lightened right. the blow a little bit, but honestly, we didn't know how to navigate. It's just like one week you can't make payroll and that's what it is. Um, but we wow. were very thankful that so many of the brands we work with were proactive about trying to figure out how to get the wheels turning again. And part mm -hmm. of it was by necessity too. Like the Nikes, the world, even if the world sort of shut down, need to continue telling their story and sharing their message and their products. Um, and a lot of people started buying a lot of shit over COVID online and like certain businesses needed to ramp up marketing again. Um, and we dreamt up all types of weird shit to try to stay in business. <laughs> like remote production, full CGI production, animated films, you know, like we can't shoot, what are we gonna do? Um, but luckily, like a lot of that shit worked and some of it stuck as well and stayed around. But within like two months, we brought everyone back and it just over the years, it became just this blip on the radar and the momentum kept going. But at the time, it felt like the beginning of the end. You know? um, yeah, I mean, so you're sitting on at that point, you still had your offices vault was built, right? Yeah, we had a vault. The new vault facility wasn't built, but we had some vault infrastructure over in El Segundo. And uh, yeah, you, I think at the time we were like 40 people and we had all the facilities um, and just like a lot of o general overhead. You're carrying like all types of monthly expenses that don't just vanish with COVID, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was a crazy like little bit. I honestly got to say thanks to the U.S. government. Like we openly definitely got some stimulus money that saved yeah. probably saved us you know yeah. and i think like i uh at least from i've heard from an older generation they've never seen that happen before so i think we we're like pretty damn lucky with that as well and thankful for like the country trying to have have our small businesses backs at the time you know it was pretty special thankfully that we 
we got through that, you know, with our health and everything. Um, obviously a lot of people unfortunately didn't, but to be alive through that time is insane, let alone in your case, you know, operating and running a business through that. It's funny when you think about it, it's almost like an injury. Like you're, you're on this trajectory, everything's going well. And then bam, you blow your business's knee and then you're, you're faced with like, what are we going to do about it? Do we like stop competing and we call it a, all right, good career later. Or, or do you like figure out a way? And that's, I think that's a place where that athletic mindset, maybe it's not something you think of in the moment, but it is like a sense of resilience that you have when you want to come back from that kind of stuff and you want to see it through, you want to bring everybody back on. And then you want to overcome the spot that you were at previously when it all happened in the first place to then get, you know, beyond that. That's amazing that you brought that that many people came back. That's really cool. Yeah. And I think to your point, it's like sort of that thing we're talking about like persistence and work ethic. It's like, that was a thing for myself and the partners and whoever we kept, it was like, okay, we're not work shut down. It didn't for us, like stop working. We started working 120 hours a week for like the first three weeks of COVID trying to figure out like what the solution is, how we can make it work. Like, how do we navigate it? Um, I think there's like this faux notion that everyone just like stopped working it was like the people who unfortunately yeah like the people who still had jobs need to work twice as much to figure out how the hell to survive you know were there cities Um, or or places in the u.s that were like more lenient that you guys get okay cool look we got a production job but we're all flying to here to get it done yeah it was tough there's definitely like some state laws that played an advantage but ultimately like every brand who was sending a production crew anywhere was so nervous about someone dying or something going wrong yeah. that we followed really strict protocols wherever we shot and just tried to protect everything. And unfortunately there were some people who died in film crews from COVID who had health complications really? or whatever it might be. And like, yeah. you do not want to be the employer or the brand or the movie where that happens. So I think right. everyone in our industry was super good about working together to try to be as safe as possible. Especially like in the early days where we didn't really know the impacts and like, the, where this thing was really headed. I think now everyone's softened a little bit knowing that the world feels a little safer, but like in right. early days, it was like scary <laughs> and people were being super careful, which I think everyone appreciated as well. You know, man, I, I, that's insane. It's, it's incredible that you, that you guys came back from that and are in the position now to not only be where you are, but then exceed and have all these kind of projects on the horizon. It's, it's really cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> well, Nick, it was so awesome having you on here. There's there's a million questions I would love to come back and, and circle back in and, and ask you, especially as you guys grow and start to venture yeah, in the man. film industry. I think it's going to be incredible to see the quality of work that you guys put out. I know will be nothing short of incredible. It shows through in Thanks, the other work. The Bose, the Bose commercial I was actually thinking about specifically because it was, how many times have I seen a headphone commercial where it's like, oh, cool, they're listening to music. And uh, I just got to see a little bit of the back end just because of our friends of how insane that production was. Yeah. And to see that in product, like it was so fucking cool. But uh, nice, yeah, big fan. So I'm rooting for you guys over here. But thank you again Appreciate so much it. for taking the time, man. Dude, likewise, it was super fun. And like you said, let's do it again sometime. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. It's fun of, to catch up. Of course.